These past few weeks will be noted in the history books as a turning point in both the world financial institutions and the exponential growth of AI tools. It's like an earthquake metaphorically struck the globe. Did you feel it? Perhaps not, but what the aftershocks from the early days of 2023 mean for the future of humanity, the direction of the global economy, and the coming next world order will be felt in the months and years to come. Today, we welcome our friend Chris Snook back to the show to discuss this next world order, the forces that are going to drive our future and how your life will be impacted. And yes, crypto could play a big role in it. The Sith Lords are doing their best to bring us in line with their wishes, but we Jedi are fighting the fight for freedom and liberty. So have your lightsaber at the ready and may the forces be with you for this episode number 675 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Who's bad? Wayback Machine to October 24th of 2018, five years ago almost, episode number 197, where we had Christopher J. Snook, our friend and comrade on an episode called The Future of Money, prognosticating about what comes next. And he is back with us today to take a look at those predictions. Uh, you know, was he on track with what the direction things are going and to look at these five forces that are propelling us into the future. Chris, welcome back to the Bad Crypto Podcast, sir. I am super excited to be here. I can't believe it's been five years. That's nuts. You look moderately excited. I don't know that you're super excited. <laughs> yeah, I he didn't, didn't, he didn't really look that excited at all. I'm, I'm really, I couldn't be happier to be here so today. I couldn't be happier to be here. Thanks nice. for having me. I'm just tempered. I'm tempered because I know we're going to ramp up. So, you know, we, we so are going to Episode number 675 already. I'm so excited. By the oh. way, I do love 675. That's a solid number. It's a good number. It's a good number. I don't know, uh, you know, when you look in numerology, what it means, but maybe Trav, you can look that up while i while i ask this first question so you listened to episode 197 in prepping for this show you listened to it last night i want to know what stood out that you know that you or we said in that show that was prescient and you feel is like oh yeah that was spot on i think what's uh interesting is you know, we talked uh, we talked a lot about the role that these new forms of money, i.e., crypto and um, all forms, but you know, Bitcoin and things. We talked about kind of how they were going to unlock and be and and disrupt and create some new things. I think what stood out to me was just that it was a it was directionally a, a great episode to to listen to. I think you know we got most of. The predictions right i think what you can't foresee is when the pandemic was going to hit um what what the aftermath of that would look like and now we're kind of seeing that play out um i think there's some disappointment in it i think in 2018 we talked a lot about places like estonia and we talked about lithuania because in the time we recorded that i had just lived overseas for like nine 90 days or something and we we kind of that stood out to me too because it was talking about 
how we had been hearing about those places and how progressive they were and how much infrastructure they had been laying down. And yet when I was over there um, on the ground, like unless you were talking about it with someone, it wasn't like you were tripping over blockchains or tripping over Bitcoins in the street, which was kind of the impression I had before going there. And so, you know, we talked a little bit about those things. And I think what's relevant about that as we look at today is I think there's a level of um, interest that has has groundswelled over the last five years for sure. I think we've seen a lot more growth in the number of uh, people talking about these concepts, the number of institutions that have placed a bet on the future of things like Bitcoin. And yet the apathy is probably at an all-time high. And, and I, I think that there's, you know, if you wanted to be concerned about stuff, you could be very concerned right now in the midst of this current, you know, kind of global banking uh, crisis, if you want to call it that. Um, that I think we, I think we are going to call it that. I mean, it's what it is. And uh, we're going to, we're going to delve into these, uh, these mm -hmm. five forces that are driving Trav, Did you come up with um, what numerology tells us about 675? Well, 675 would be 6 plus 7 plus 5 is equals 18, and 1 plus 8 equals 9. So it's a good Tesla no. number, number 9, uh, if you're doing that. But you, number, know, you know what that is? You know what that is? Number 9 is the number of completion. So maybe this is the last time I'm ever going to be on the show. Maybe I'm gonna uh, <laughs> Maybe so. You know what's interesting, though, is like we've had a lot of conversations, Joel and I, and then also you know you and I as well, Chris, around the everything bubble. Right. And how mm -hmm. this right here, this and there's a book called The Everything Bubble. We've read it. We've been talking about how things are probably going to go. The financial system is going to be some big cracks in it eventually. And we've talked probably going to be some CBDC, central bank digital currencies coming in. How's it going to happen? Little did we know that we were going to see the huge economic cracks in the system as the same time as we're seeing these ginormous advancements in artificial technology and other technology things. It's like it's like this whirling dervish that's going on right now between the old world financial system and the new technology system sort of simultaneously. We're at a pinnacle. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Well, we let's let, let's take a look at these then because we have in our show notes, which you guys can check out, all five of these forces that we're going to be talking about at badco.in forward slash 675. The first one, Chris is you noted that the demographics of the world are changing pretty quickly, especially here in the United States. Talk about that. Uh, rapid fire, you know, we've lived on the last 50 years of essentially the me generation, which was 78 million boomers, which most people have known, kind of investing in the markets, buying stuff, consuming stuff. And now they are in a position where uh, through the ERISA Act, which we don't have time to get into, they are now forcibly having to withdraw from the markets systematically each year. And what's interesting is, again, demographic-wise, that was supposed to happen when they hit 72. They pushed it back last November of 2022 to the age of 75. Now, you, the reason they gave was so that boomers had more time to invest in the market and pad their retirement. That's one. If you had a tin hat on or if you're just putting some logic and reasoning together, you might think maybe they pushed it back because they can't have millions and millions of people mm. withdrawing from the stock market at the same time nobody else is buying into it right? right and so and it was 65 you know, years one, old then it became 72 now it's 75 as of wow. november of last year it's 75 mm. um so you know so these demographics matter um people don't like to talk about them macro guys argue over them but at the end of the day like you can't you know you can't discount the fact that 
when you go back 50 years, they were 25 year olds, right? And they were looking at the same thing a 25 year old today is in different time, right? They were looking at Dow at 972. They were looking at, you know, uh, bond market in the double digits and a real savings rate where you could actually save and earn money. Um, they were looking at affordable housing compared to their average median income. And so they were looking at yield curves that weren't inverted and that were up and to the right. And so growth and possibility and future prosperity, i.e. investing in my future, all was in the asset classes that we've known and loved the last 50 years, right? Real estate, bonds, and stocks. And if you're a 25-year-old today, you don't see those dynamics, right? You got the Dow at all-time highs and it doesn't connect to the actual Main Street or real economy because multiples are out of control. We've had 15 years of zero you know, interest rate, well, 10 years of zero interest rate money, 15 years of almost near-free money. And so everything was risk on. And um, these valuations, as Travis said, you know, in this everything bubble kind of blew up every asset class to levels that, you know, really don't make sense and have gotten unaffordable. Rich have gotten far richer. Pandemic accelerated that, um, you know, with several people adding $100 billion to their net worth. Uh, well, you know, 500 million Pfizer. people. Enter. Pfizer. Oh, sorry. Did I just, I was, I'm sorry, I sneezed. So, so I guess, you know, the, the demographics force is real. Um, you have a bunch of uh, boomers that are our parents' age and that um, plan to live for as long as they can and probably will live longer than their uh, predecessors because of advancements in science and health. And yet they have, you know, uh, a dwindling limited supply of fixed income. And so what are they going to do? Well, what all of us would do, if you don't know how long you're going to live and you have a certain amount of assets to ride it out, you start cutting costs, right? You sell your second home, you, you, you live with a used car. And so as you exit the consumer market, there's, there's got to be someone to replace your thrust. And, um, and right now, you know, we're in a position where consumers have, you know, carried the U.S. economy to the tune of 70 percent of GDP for the last several decades. And we're loaded up in debt. Um, you got 3.9 billion people on the planet on the other side of the planet under the age of 39 um, that are digitally native and that are kind of emerging markets from Southeast Asia to what have you. Um, and so there's these interesting shifts in where the future of consumption will be. Um, digital assets uh, will be probably more purchased, whether it's in the form of skins or avatars or things that people maybe don't fully understand yet, than physical assets or will buy physical assets with digital representations of them. And again, how we move that around the world, how we hold that in our quote unquote wallet, whatever you think that is, um, has to be connected to the three core values, which we'll talk about, I guess, in a follow up here, um, because that's another force of the difference in a 25 year old today and what they value um, and why that why that is a, a, a indicator of, of I think where we're going um, from a consumptive standpoint. Uh, but we'll we'll take a breath and you know kind of talk That's about good. whatever. So force one global demographics are rapidly changing. That's true. I mean, you talk about the boomers and how they were so big consumers because it rhymes with boomer. So you got to be a consumer, and so. Now those things are changing and we, we're talking in one of these other forces around geopolitics, right? We're talking about some of this other stuff that's going on. China's on the come up. But right now, you know, you know 10 years, was it 15 years ago, 2008, when we had the other big boom, the financial crisis? The G then? GFC, like, baby, the GFC, great financial crisis. That was the great financial <laughs> crisis. So what's this one, the greater financial crisis? Of 2023. You know, who knows? Time will, time will tell. But I do think this is going to be, you know, we talked about Next World Order in the title of this. And um, that 
that's not a nefarious term. That's just the reality of if you look back through history, right? Every time we get to some systemic hundred year change or whatever you want to call it, there is a reshaping of the new world order and who is kind of at the top, who is doing trade deals with whom, what the what the sanctions are, all that kind of stuff. And for the last, you know, hundred years and 10 years that we've had the Federal Reserve and, you know, through both um, the gold standard, then Bretton Woods, and then, and then, you know, essentially 1971 coming off the gold standard, you know, as we've moved through this different thing, we've had this central bank kind of model for the last 110 years that we, you know, take for granted as normal, but it, it's, it's 110 years old. And if you look at books like The Fourth Turning, which you guys have heard me talk about ad nauseum, we, we kind of are in that crisis mode of that fourth turning, which is, you know, somewhere around 2030, 2032 is when we'll hit the peak piece of that. And what happens in that time period is the institutions from the last hundred years are either torn down, fall down, or kind of degrade to a level. And then in parallel, what's happening is for a period of about 10 years, there's this overlap where the institutions that will rule the next 100 years or the first 50 of the next hundred years are being stood up. And, and there to replace. And there's like all this disarray that happens in that period, as you can imagine, because the status quo is kind of fighting to maintain itself. But it's it's kind of like, you know, it's a it's a broken down house. Right. It's 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 ultimately just going to collapse. But the, it's, it's like the movie. Uh, it's like Money Pit with Tom Hanks. Right. You know, yeah, that's kind of how they're treating the, the U.S. By the way, as you were talking about new alignments and stuff, I want to point out this tweet just broke that Putin and Xi Jinping. Yeah, it's happening right now. Signed right? documents right now. on Russia, China, strategic cooperation. And of course, this empowers both both Russia and China. But you alluded to how young people today um, are valuing things different and want different jobs. So this is uh, this is force number two, right? Well, yeah. So force number two is to simplify, you know, Parag Khanna, who uh, another favorite author of mine, wrote several books, Connectography, his most recent one's called Move. Um, his, you know, the three forces that, or the three values that kind of anyone in the YZ generations value are in this order, mobility, connectivity, and community, right? And if you think about that, that makes a lot of sense with what you've witnessed, right? I mean, everything from the me generation has now become the we generation, including the names of companies that we have, like WeWork and things like that, right? So um, mobility- We crash? Is that what that, that we collapse? Yeah, oh, yeah, we, we, yeah <laughs> we crash. Um, but the you know the 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 thing that's stuck behind with all that are these values that are hard anchored and, and almost hardwired into their consciousness, and they're not they're not bad values, right? Mobility is one. They they don't want to be contained in a geo, a job, you name it, right? The flexibility that being digitally native and having this thousand dollar you know supercomputer in their pocket has given them, and platforms from YouTube to what have you to distribute is this idea that I can live a life on my terms and I can make money, whether it's a living wage or whatever, doing things from wherever I want to be. And so and that's, huge. that's not just, I don't think that's necessarily a gen Y or a gen Z thing because I'm gen X and you're gen X and you, you just talked about spending 90 days over in Estonia. I've spent months here and months there and try, I mean, that's, it's so much better than being tied into having a mortgage in some place. You don't, you don't want to stay most of the time. Right. Well, and, and quite frankly, you know, it's, it's also a defensive strategy for those people who, you know, kind of really worry about the uncertainties that that kind of faces right now, right. Is the ability to be nimble is a, is an actual asset as well. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. I mean, and I think, you know, obviously there's been a lot 
of podcasts talking about with smart people about this. You know, mobility has penetrated other generations for sure, including Gen X, um, in the sense that uh, the pandemic really gave us the ability to finally work from home in a way or work remotely in a way where um, people kind of got hooked on that and don't want to go backwards, right? And mm-hmm. and th- th- that's got its own pressures on things from commercial real estate to what have you, right? I mean, if you go to New York today, it's completely different New York than it was five years ago. I mean, I, I literally was in Midtown looking across at, at the McGraw-Hill building from a hotel room, and I counted no less than a dozen floors that were stripped down bare to the bones across the street. And that's one building out of how many hundreds that, that are in high-rises. And those office jobs are not coming back. And then when you factor in AI, again, not jumping around, but jumping, trying to connect these dots for folks rapidly, like when you connect the AI um, exponential change that's happening in the deflationary forces it's doing on knowledge work, whether it be accountancies or paralegals or what have you, tell me who's going to be in those offices then. Let so, me I mean, let me let me make a point about that, Chris, because we just did we just covered this on the Bad AI Show. If you guys want to let check out Bad AI Show episode number four, because what happened this week is Google, Microsoft, OpenAI, MidJourney, they all took a a huge step up today in what these mm-hmm. tools are able to do. And now ChatGPT four can not only pass the bar, but can uh, pass the medical. <laughs> exams right i mean it's it's crazy and i just read in a newsletter that i subscribe to called neon pulse that according to the world economic forum who we all love and admire so much 50 percent of all employees will need reskilling by 2025 Mm. that's huge we're never we're yeah. never going to forget the month of March 2023, folks, and we're still here in the middle of it. And and I mean, you know, and this this either this no matter what happens tomorrow, we won't forget this week, right? Because you know we've got ECB raised uh, their interest rates 50 basis points a week ago. We just saw what happened with Credit Suisse and UBS on the heels of you know the SVB and Silvergate thing, and then you know without getting into it and all the you know, economic hit that may have happened to Signature, the fact that Barney Frank, who wrote the Dodd-Frank Act, is literally quoted yesterday in the in Wall Street Journal and everywhere else saying that there was no reason to shut Signature down except for the fact that they just don't want crypto banks. Like when you have that kind of stuff happening, mm-hmm. it's analogous when China just goes and says, we're going to ban Bitcoin or ban this because they don't want capital flight out of the rim and B. Well, they're China. They can do that. We say, oh, that's a bad way to govern people. The, the way we do it is is the same. We just call it democracy and, and do it with unelected regulators. But at the end of the day, like these forces are real. And what they are is they're reactionary forces to the fact that we have so much changing so fast that the smartest people in the world, the most thoughtful people in the world are struggling to connect the dots on exactly what to do. But at least they're thinking about it. Those in power are realizing that the the power dynamic is is even easier to grab than than ever before because there's so much chaos and so and meanwhile like 99% of the world is just walking around you know hoping that their real estate stays where it is and they can keep buying their $7 Starbucks um, yeah dude i actually did this i i was like oh my god everything's collapsing this is crazy and then i went outside and i was like wow it's such a beautiful day uh, <laughs> the, well, these trees and the and the ocean none of this know that the world's collapsing right now well, how about that it's so nice yeah. maybe i should you go know, outside you know, more <laughs> and i think i think i think that's actually a really good totally off point but very relevant travis which is that we have to remember that 
right? Like we have to, we have to not go down that fear mongering rabbit hole that is naturally human to do when we have this much uncertainty, because at the end of the day, you know, that's the dark side that you're talking to Joel in the intro, right? The Sith Lords, we, that's what they want. They want us to be so afraid that we're paralyzed and we just follow. And that's Snoop, not, that's I not, am your father. <laughs> that's right. And so I think, different. you know, sometimes, sometimes the healthiest thing we can do is even if we're super excited about all this innovation and we're riding a wave of it is to make sure we get outside and get into the nature and make sure that we realize that that sun's been coming up a lot longer than we've been on this rock, certainly a lot longer than there's been central banks or decentralized currencies. And at the end of the day, you know, innovation and art is like water, in my opinion, right? It always finds its level. You can't uninvent things. Like once something is in the market, you can't uninvent it. So whether you like it or not, whether it was good or not, whether the unintended consequences were bad or not, you have to find a way to live with it because once it's invented, you can't uninvent. And, mm-hmm. um, and so a lot of the solutions that we need are readily available, but we have to realize that the, these forces are causing people to anchor into their corner. And that's kind of what's going to happen for the next probably five to 10. That so, makes sense. So that kind of covers force number three, then you kind of covered it, that it while we were chatting with that. It's like exponential technologies disrupt and destroy before they create. That's kind of force three. We want people listening back at home to make sure they get that that bullet point. So that pretty much covers that. Here we are. AI. A lot of this yeah. stuff's going away. Uh, there's something that dawned on me, too, guys, that is as we were talking about force three and I just tweeted it, you know, for years we've joked about, you know, for people who are losing their jobs because minimum wage is pushing up and mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, bots are able to do the job. We've said learn to code. Well, guess what? Turns out that was bad advice. Yeah. Because... Learn to prompt. Learn to, <laughs> learn to be a prompt engineer. <clears throat> learn to prompt. It yeah. Is better. And I think, you know, and, and Travis had a, a tweet the other day I saw that I thought was really interesting. It was kind of your typical kind of play on words, somewhat joke, but serious. And it had something to do with, you know, in 2021 20, and 22, we're all excited because essentially NFTs and blockchain were liberating creatives and giving them a path to income. And then in 2023, AI basically just took it all away, right? Like now it's not necessarily 100% true, but I liked how you tweeted it. I thought it was, you know, a very uh, astute kind of juxtaposition of of these forces in real time. Joel, you said something too that I I think is relevant earlier, which was that you you quoted, I think it was World Economic Forum or someone about 50% of workers need to be reskilled. The arrogance of us saying things like need to be reskilled is is so far from empathetic that that again I, I just think we have to get better right as a society so they either we, need to be reskilled or they need to take their jab booster one of the two we just, we just have to get more empathetic um you know nobody needs to do anything right in a free society people don't need to do anything if if they need to do so, you know, there's a saying one of my mentors had years ago. He said, "You have to until you want to, and then you don't have to anymore." Right? And I and I think there's a lot of real wisdom in that, which is if you tell somebody they need to do something, you mm-hmm. might as well just like they're not going to do it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, your kid doesn't matter. Yeah. If you like, say, we don't have to be having this conversation. We like to. It's interesting to us, and we hope that it's interesting to the people who are tuning in and listening because we like to share this information. You you want to tune in and listen. No, you need to. You must subscribe now. You must hit the notification bell. 
is yeah. must or not. I mean, that's that's you know that's a whole other uh, whole other conversation. But again, I thought I thought that was a really important thing that you said because we don't need to reskill. We have the opportunity to reskill. Those who don't reskill will have to somehow be subsidized. And so the force mechanism is if they don't want to get reskilled, well then we've got to all deal with it, right? As society, because that means 50% of the jobs that you know are going to be gone over the next three to five years will be replaced in 10, but there might be a five with jobs we haven't invented yet, by the way. Mm. But there might be a five-year gap there where we don't know even what those things are. So is that force and, four? Like we have to rapidly learn to teach ourselves and our children to think original thoughts. That's not necessarily learning new skills. No, that's it. it it's a segue to force four, um, which is Henry Ford said it. You know, the uh, thinking is the hardest work a, a human being can do. Um, which is why folks, so few do it. We've got it even harder than when Henry Ford said that a hundred and some odd years ago because. We think we think, but this is actually doing thinking for us through algorithmic behavior modification. So, you know, we, we've got a compound effect there, too, which is we think we're smarter than we are. We think we're thinking. Um, we've got still industrial age institutions, which, oh, by the way, AI and ChatGPT and all these things are going to force into bankruptcy. I mean, like 30, 30 to 40 percent, I've seen predictions, whether they're right or not, not the point of um, higher education institutions will be insolvent in the next five years because they won't have students. Like, why would you go to school if all you're going to do is teach me to memorize shit, mm -hmm. right? When I can go to ChatGPT4, have a five-minute conversation, and I can crank out something that McKinsey spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on. Right. Like, what I need to be able to do is think because what human beings can do is they can feel. AIs can't. Right. Human beings can um, can emote. AIs can't. Um, Human beings can also the, fart, which is good. It's necessary sometimes. That's true. Guys, we, we, they can't we do definitely, that we definitely. Joel is working know. on I fart three, though. So soon AI will be able to fart. Yeah, three point five. Fart AI. Yeah. It yeah, probably can. Teaching people to think for ourselves, you know, in this day and age uh, where it used to be that the media, at least in Western civilization, would report on the news and allow people to kind of frame for themselves what this means. Uh, if, you know, if you're not awake yet, you don't realize this. We are full blown propaganda now from our mainstream media. They are telling us what to think about what's happening and framing things in such a way that the news is incomplete. It's not even up for debate. It's demonstrable. It's provable. And if you turn on the news and you just suck up what they're telling you, you are being mind controlled. And so how do we break free of that is, is, is Twitter, you know, where Elon Musk says, Hey, you know, free speech is for everyone. Are these alternative platforms? Do we need new media? Uh, how do we fix this problem to encourage people questioning everything? Well, and, and that's exhausting. It's own right, right? So, like, I mean, you know, Edelman's trust barometer, which I subscribe to every single year. I look at it and I find it interesting. When Travis and I first wrote Digital Sense, it said trust was in bankruptcy back in 2017. This year, their their headline for all their research said default, uh, distrust is the default. So in 2023, coming into it, or 2022's report, whatever the most recent one was, 
Edelman's trust barometer said distrust is the default. I don't think that surprises anybody. But but again, if we think about, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? What that means is we're questioning everything already, right? So well, we should. Okay. One, one, one second on that. The CIA director, William Casey, he actually said this back in the early 80s. He says, we'll know that our disinformation campaign program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. Yeah, like they're, they're creating and sculpting our narratives for us. They own the media companies. They tell them what we want to know. Oh, this guy, this people did this. We're not going to talk any about that. Like, we're not going to release any of this information that should be released. Ghislaine Maxwell. We're not going to talk anything about this laptop. We're not going to do anything about this. Oh, but this over here, let's all focus on this over here. And so the misdirection and disinformation is just such a complete apparatus at this part, at this point, that it's just really hard for somebody who doesn't know how to think to actually be able to maneuver through the scenario. Well, and, and I mean, again, thinking is thinking is a practice. It's an exercise and it's questioning our own assumptions. It's literally being willing to be wrong. Right. Before we're worried about whether someone else is wrong. My opinion is it's, it's, it's willing to wonder if we're wrong. What if what we think is inaccurate? What if we mm. believe something that doesn't I did an analysis actually... on myself and I've come to the conclusion that I'm completely correct? Thank you. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Next question. You know, but I mean, again, the example of it is, is like, if you were just to question something, you go, well, what's a, what's like a, a logic pattern you might use? You'd say, okay, so what I heard about uh, Bitcoin and crypto is it's highly volatile. That's what I've heard, right? If I'm if I'm just tuning into the mainstream, yeah. is that true? Is that false? Well, if you look at the pattern, you could you could say, yeah, I mean, the data says it, it goes up by 50% and it comes down by 30%. You could call that volatile by any reasonable thing. It was at 69. Now it's at, you know, 28 or whatever, but it hit as low as 16. So I had a 67% fall. But then you hear, you know, about Tesla stock and hear about Microsoft and hear about these things. And, and, you know, you look at those math and they're roughly the same. They had a 67, 70% drop off last year, right? Or at the end of this year. Um, and then you look at this week and First Republic Bank gets a $30 billion injection from 11 of the biggest banks in the world, including Chase, and their stock falls 87% in a matter of days. What's more volatile than that? Like, again, if it's all volatile, then I could think and I could go, okay, so which one of these things is at the end of its 100-year cycle or at the beginning of the next 100-year cycle? Mm -hmm. hmm. Which one of these things might be there? If bank stocks get hammered in the stock market for the last three weeks, regardless of the reason, forget why. And every time the stock market has crashed in the last five years since I was last on the show, Bitcoin crashed with it. But this time, this week, everything crashes and Bitcoin's up 75%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's there's not the hedges that there were maybe, before. Maybe, maybe something's maybe, maybe something's happening. Maybe there's something I should pay more attention to. Maybe I should finally try and really understand. What this thing called Bitcoin does hmm. doesn't mean I should buy it. Doesn't mean I shouldn't buy it. I'm not making investment advice. What I'm saying is maybe it's time to think about: Do I know how it actually works, or do I only know what I've heard? And maybe I should be interested. Maybe not need to. I don't need to, but maybe I want to learn a little mm -hmm. bit. Thinking for yourself is never a bad idea. So that that's number four. Force number five kind of goes back to uh, we we um, 
kind of gave a picture of what this looks like as we talked about Russia and China signing a deal. Geopolitics is the tinderbox, right? And, you know, we've got this war in Ukraine. And honestly, I'm not putting Ukraine flags up on my Twitter profile, not because I don't support the Ukrainian people, but everything I've read tells me they're all bad. Russia and Ukraine is just, you know, rife with scandal and innocent people are, are being treated like pawns and dying on both sides. And I don't think we know what's really going on over there. So, you know, combine the lack of knowledge with the volatility of what's going on in these wars. And we have one hell of a tinderbox, don't we? Yeah. Well, it's I like think, lack of know, knowledge think- and uh, an obsessive amount of self-righteousness in a lot of cases, right? It's like, I don't know anything about this, but by God, I know it all. Right. There's a lot, there's a lot of that attitude, it seems. And again, I think to tie some of this all together, right? I, I think we could say we have a pretty good idea of what's going on over there. What's going on over there is the majority of humanity that is involved in either one of those uh, sides is suffering. If you're a mother of a Russian child right now, you are suffering because your kids are being shipped off to be basically executed. Right. If you're the if you're a Ukrainian family, you are suffering. And again, back to empathy, like we have a handful of of we have this notion that you know we're protecting our sovereignty or protecting our countries. And you know, every country's right from their own perspective, right? Putin's right from his own perspective, no matter how batshit crazy it may be, he's right from his own perspective. And so was Hitler, by the way, right? From his own perspective. But that doesn't mean that. Again, it's it it doesn't mean that it's like it's a good perspective. It just means that you're trying to convince someone of a different perspective and all they're trying to do is control and hold on to more of what they have, right? And in in the name of whatever their country or their flag is, the majority of people there are no different than the majority of people here. They want things that their government's not willing to give them. Um and I'm not saying that government is evil because government is essentially the reflection of 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 the people and, and what they've paid attention to or what they haven't. But when they, when there's been a monetary controlled interest across governments, then, you know, you don't typically get representation at the levels that you'd like. And these are usually when revolutions happen, both internal and external. And right now the, the sad news is that we have never come through, at least in the last hundred years, we've never come through a crisis period without going through some form of uh, armed world conflict. And, you know, a the question ago. to that, though, is how much of that armed conflict was part of the greater plan to get them to move society to the way that the, that the elites kind of want. And it's like a lot of times it's like war is very profitable for the few that it's profitable for. Well, I mean, and, and again, the incentives, the incentives and all that stuff, that's a whole other conversation. But the incentives matter and everything. Right. The incentives around media are about clicks and views and, mm-hmm. and, and salacious stuff and polarizing stuff is the only thing that gets that anymore. So that's why we have propaganda at nauseum versus news. Right. Because facts don't sell. Um, right. And so, you know, the, these things happen. And, you know, how do you how do you fund deficits and how do you do that? Well, you you create either war or you focus on environmental stuff because it's the only thing that has an unlimited spend, right? Like when we had a hole in the ozone layer 30 years ago, we couldn't really quantify how much it was going to cost to fix. So it's the perfect thing to invest in because, you know, right. that, that, that rocket, oh, you know, or war is the same way, right? Oh, that missile, that missile is going to cost eh, $150 million a piece, right? Like it's all made up out of thin air to fill whatever gap in the balance sheet needs to be filled. 
And that's the scary thing is that this time, though, we do have some real political and ideological um, things happening that um, will will be very interesting to see how they play out. And, you know, I I hope that um, if we truly, you know, believe in the best of humanity and and in what this country stood for from its foundation, that we'll we'll find a way to compromise or we'll find a way to find a way forward that doesn't include us, you know, doing the bad stuff. Because yeah. but you know, we may not have a choice. We may be forced into the bad stuff. And um, you know, we're dealing with unstable people on on all sides, it seems like. So you including know, again, here on this show, there's seriously unstable people yeah right? uh, yeah so so, so these are I mean, all really good points let let's bring it together with a positive conclusion you know a, the question is so how then shall we live what do we do about this personally yeah i think i think you know because we're all we're all people that kind of try and focus on the positive first thing i would say is you know in the universe there's there's several laws that you can't violate gravity's the one everybody's familiar with right doesn't matter if you're a good person bad person if you're freaking you know joseph stalin or if you're freaking mother Teresa, you walk off a building you're hitting the ground right that's a universal law speed limits you can violate if you don't get caught you can get away universal laws you violate them you pay the price doesn't matter who you are and one of those laws is the law of polarity right and that says that you can't have left without right you can't have up without down there there's a fundamental two sides to everything so everything we just t- spent the last five minutes talking about is all the really scary bad shit that's going on in the world with people that are maybe overly powered and maybe overly narcissistic and all the crazy things that are there running 8 billion people's lives. And on the other side of that coin is that um, I just spent, you know, two weeks in Europe and I was running around and we were just talking about, you know, people suffering and we we're talking about people living lives and walking outside and smiling. And I saw a lot of that. And I think, you know, these technologies that allow us to have sovereignty over our money, like a Bitcoin, or maybe over our identity down the road with decentralized ID, or maybe over our assets and our and staying with the revenue streams of our art, like NFTs over time, these things create fundamental possibilities. These these AI technologies now democratize access to create world-class stuff. Yes, it replaces the jobs at Disney and studios and things like that, but it also gives somebody in the middle of nowhere the ability to create a badass piece of anime or culture from a mobile phone. So I think what what we have is we have probably the most important um, decade of humanity's 10,000 some odd years. I think this month, March of 23, will go down as a really pivotal month in kind of what happens over the next decade or kind of the catalyst and like a turning point. Hopefully that turning point is going to be good. But I think anyone listening to this this long is trying to figure out how to be part of the positive side of that equation. And the way to do that is, again, want to create a better life for yourself and want to learn about these tools, not because you need to, but because they can unlock possibilities for you in a world where possibilities that you thought were going to be there may be evaporating. The wild time. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Mr. Chris Snook. If you want to hear actually hear more of Mr. Chris Snook, you can tune into our podcast. Uh, uh, Mr. Chris Snook and I do the Web3 show. <clears throat> Excuse me. We do the Web3 show, and uh, sometimes we're live at the New York Stock Exchange. Sometimes we're not, but we're having some great conversations, having fun. So make sure to check out our YouTube on that. And what else, Mr. Joel Com? 
Well, I, we appreciate you guys. And if you wouldn't mind giving us a review, we would really appreciate that, especially if it's five stars. If it's funny, we'll consider it a six star review. Just go to iTunes or wherever you listen that accepts reviews from listeners and go ahead and put that in there. Make sure you subscribe, ring the bell, tell a friend. And we're going to do something really unusual on this episode. We're going to let our guest take us home. Mr. Snook, what do you got to say? Well, first of all, I want to just acknowledge both you guys for a tremendous uh, effort these last six years with Bad Crypto Podcast, Bad Media, now Bad AI. You have been consistent. You have been steady. And for those of you who've listened for any length of that time, I think you'll be the first one to agree with me that uh, your life is better because of it. So to close us out, if you want your life to be better, like, subscribe, share this podcast, Bad Crypto Podcast, Bad AI, share these guys with who you know. Stay back. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.